0: episode 46, Nathan Bobay, Conscious Capitalism.
1: Welcome to Gut Plus Science, analytics about people, insights for executives, truth you can act on, a high-energy, fast-paced, results-oriented exchange featuring employee engagement evangelist and CEO, your host, Nikki Llewellyn.
0: Hey, it's Nikki, and here we are back on Gut Plus Science for another hot episode on a great resource, a movement that is giving a live platform to connect and build strong company cultures across our nation together. We're going to talk today about being a conscious leader and building a conscious culture and how important it is to get every single component together from vendors to employees. Nathan Bobet has been a key leader for conscious capitalism, especially in bringing the movement to Indianapolis, Indiana. We're going to meet him and hear all about consciousness. Conscious Capitalism right after we hear from today's Gut Bliss Science Sponsor.
1: Custom Concrete has been creating foundations for the finest homes, commercial buildings, and industrial facilities throughout central Indiana since 1969. Builders, contractors, and homeowners rely on our expertise because so much depends on getting it right. Our knowledge and control of all aspects of the job, from excavation to waterproofing to backfill, means that extra value is built into every project. Codes don't drive our business, excellence does. See the difference at customconcrete.com.
0: Nathan, you're passionate about employee engagement and have found a practice called conscious capitalism, which you're a raving fan. We're about to take a deep dive into your interests. So welcome to the show. And let's have you start off by educating us just a bit first. So what is a conscious business?
2: Conscious business subscribes to basically four tenants. first one is that the organization exists for a higher purpose creating profits and, and shareholder value. Secondly, subscribes to a stakeholder integration model where you you are looking for successes and wins for, for all stakeholders in your business. Uh, third is conscious leadership. You have leaders who are who are bought into the mission, to the purpose, do things to create the wins for those stakeholders. And finally uh, you have a conscious culture an organization that thrives beyond an individual founder or a leadership team. You hire more people in, and the culture maintains and continues. and even gets stronger and, and more stable and, and grows as the company grows.
0: Okay. Well, I want to dive into a number of these, but kind of segueing into describe a conscious leader for us. You, t- you talked about conscious leadership. What does that look like? Illustrate that.
2: If the company has a higher purpose, that conscious leader is then motivated by serving that higher purpose. They all they also recognize that they're trying to create value for all those stakeholders in the business and that there's a, there's no trade-off view of business. It's not about uh, one person wins and one person loses. You're you're literally trying to create wins for everybody involved in Uh, the transaction, the project, whatever it is they might be working on.
0: Okay. And could you give us an example of a business with a higher purpose?
2: I'm not going to be able to repeat what their purpose is, but uh, think of a company like Patagonia and their their desire to make the environment better. Uh, I believe REI, the retail co-op, has a purpose about getting people outside and enjoying the outdoors. And so that's kind of their, the mission that drives the organization. They want everybody to make decisions based on, based on the higher purpose. You're in meetings. You're, you're working on projects. If you get stuck on anything, you sort of can always step back and say, Hey, are we, are we working towards the organization's mission here?
0: And you probably see this a lot in the conscious capitalism community, which we'll get into in just a little bit. So how can a company build a culture that inspires its employees? I know you're passionate about employee engagement. So what does that look like when a company does that well?
2: Uh, it's something that you can, you can see and feel when you're inside the organization. And it's really built around traits like, uh, first and foremost, trust people trust one another, they respect one another. It's as, as little as, if it's a big organization, you say hello to new employees in the hallway that you don't know, or when strangers are in the building, you welcome them. Um, it's also built on the trait of accountability, holding people accountable to, to to their actions and to you know, living that, that higher purpose. Um, a lot of companies have core values uh, in their annual review system. They're posted on their walls. On their websites, uh, I would say that an authentic culture is one where you can see those core values coming to life in the organization, that they're not just words that people say, they actually back them up with actions.
0: Okay, and that's really good to lead me into something I wanted to hit on, you know, for our listeners out there that might be running companies that they're working hard to develop something that is that see it, feel it, come alive organization, but they're still doing things that aren't in alignment with that, but they don't know that these things are the things that are not working. For example, you have your uh, core values on the wall, but you're not reiterating them. Any other examples of kind of what's the opposite of the coming alive, seeing and feeling it type of culture that's powerful that you can think of that, you know, the opposite of this conscious mindset or conscious capitalism movement. Any thoughts?
2: Yeah. Really the first thing that comes to mind is a belief that the size of the pie is fixed and that we're all fighting for our piece of it. And then actions become almost, uh, anti-collaborative and rather they're very individualistic and that just drives people into really kind of deceitful or even sometimes unethical actions and and, and just even it's in a simple form just just making the workplace a, a miserable place to be if you're constant if you don't trust your people then think of how a manager or a leader might act if that if that's their belief that um it's just not going to Your employees aren't going to be happy. They're not going to perform well. And frankly, if you think you have that problem, ask your employees. They'll tell you. They'll tell you if you're not not living your values.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you talked about stakeholder integration being one of these four pillars. Can you tell us more about what that looks like?
2: Sure. From the conscious capitalism philosophy, it looks at six stakeholders in the business: the employees, customers shareholders which are are all fairly common amongst business and then the other three that i think aren't always thought of which are your suppliers the community and the environment so ultimately a conscious business shouldn't be creating products that are damaging to the planet they should be good for society good for people Um, suppliers don't always get thought of i think from a, you know, maybe a manufacturing environment or even retail, you beat down suppliers on price. Think, though, what that maybe does to your business. Are they going to create better products or is it going to be lower quality and now you're maybe passing on poor products to your customers or consumers? And then it's just a, a bad, vicious cycle in the process. But if you're looking at it from a conscious standpoint to say, hey, we're trying to create wins for all of our stakeholders you to make good products, we want you to make margins and you can continue to have a high performing business because you're supplying us and then we're selling to our our customers and then everybody's gonna gonna win in the process.
0: Very interesting. So I really like this. Uh, these six spokes of the stakeholders uh, involved in this method. So do employees of companies that are bought into this conscious capitalism mindset, do they get educated on this and and they understand that the company is consistently working to, to share the love to all six stakeholders and things? Or how, how does the education in all throughout the employees and all of the organization, how's that work?
2: Uh, yes, I, I believe that taught in their their leadership development courses. For one, a conscious business is going to invest more in leadership development training than the average business. And then yes, this is taught in their leadership development courses.
0: I mean, that's just inspiring in and of itself to drive employee engagement. So why would companies or leaders hold back from being intentionally conscious, do you think?
2: My view is traditional management practices just didn't simply didn't teach caring for the individual. It was always metric-driven, company performance-driven. It almost left out some of the more human aspects of leadership. And we went to management classes in college. We uh, got management degrees. We got job, jobs in management. So what do we try to do? We try to manage people. Uh, that's that's one of the theories that's out there one of, the, one of the speakers kind of on the circuit, and people don't want to be managed. they want to be led and uh, it's cool to see that we're actually kind of peeling this onion and kind of pulling back to kind of more natural just human relations and recognizing that you know people don't don't stop thinking their personal lives when they walk into the to the office and they don't stop thinking about work when. They, they leave the office, uh, that, that these two are, are integrated. And so you're, you're seeing more you know, conscious leaders that understand that caring for their people beyond the walls of the business actually makes the organization better and quite frankly, makes the world a better place. Taking into account the, the flexibility needs, um, giving credence to family obligations, it makes, it, makes a better workplace.
0: I couldn't agree more. I love the whole person approach to helping leaders change their mindset on you know work is a piece of us and it all integrates with everything else that we do. And the more that we can educate leaders on that, just the better. But you just hit on a topic that I want you to elaborate on because it fires me up. Uh, manager versus leader. So how do you see that as something really important? And why do you think that we should shift from this... Manager mindset to leader mindset?
2: I, so I mean, if I had to pick sort of one word in this aspect, it's trust. You want leadership that you can trust. And there's just something about manager and management that has kind of grown negative over time, similar to capitalism getting a negative, negative view over time because of the negative aspects of it. But when it's actually done well, when people actually lead well, Run their business as well. Business is does good for
0: society. Absolutely, and who wants to be managed? You want to be led. You know, I don't. It just, just the word in and of itself. You know, it just it makes me it makes my skin crawl a little bit. So
2: it's just people's. It's just people's. uh, Like language is so powerful. The language that we use, and that's why i for me this is one. Big key aspect of this uh, in educating people and educating leaders is it just just that little that little shift can make a world of a difference. It's kind of, sometimes it's even it's having a more positive attitude versus having a negative attitude. It makes a world of a difference.
0: Absolutely. Totally agree. So if um, we kind of take a look at, you know, these four pillars, higher purpose, stakeholder integration, conscious leadership and conscious culture, which are part of what you're passionate about in this uh, method of conscious capitalism. From your viewpoint, how would the world be different if the majority of businesses were conscious and especially the talent landscape of today and all the challenges that we have? How would the world be different from your perspective?
2: I think we actually have a window into this already from research. So recent Gallup poll says that 32% of employees are engaged. Okay. So think about that. That means on the flip side, over two thirds are either disengaged or just impartial to work. So imagine what does your business look like? If that flipped around and you had 68% of people engaged, they'd be happier. They'd be more productive. There's this theory of the wake that you create on the world. You meet like a boat wake. It leaves a trail behind. So what's the trail that you're leaving behind? If you're engaged in work, you're probably going home happier. You're probably treating your, your families better, your friends better. I just, I just, uh, I don't know, maybe maybe I have a utopian view of this or, uh, but I just, I just think it would be, would be highly beneficial. You probably create more, more wealth for people and thus you would uh, improve the quality and standard of living. That's, that would be a really wonderful world to live in.
0: I couldn't agree more with these four pillars and especially the six stakeholders, all of the relationships that surround employees and the leaders in the business, I can't imagine that we couldn't significantly impact those Gallup statistics. So, yeah, thanks for sharing that. So, let's move into conscious capitalism and the theory, I guess, but more about it's an organization, it's like a movement, right? Can you give some insight on when did this start? Where did it come from?
2: It was born out of. A vision of two people, Raj Sasodia, who's a business professor at Babson College in Boston, and John Mackey, the co-founder of Whole Foods Market, came together around 2007 and she, uh, based off of a, a book that Raj had written called Firms of Endearment, which basically had data that said, hey, these companies that focus on purpose and like making the world a better place actually get better returns. So... Well, by the way, running your business more consciously is actually good for business. It makes you more profitable, and you can do more for the world. And so they came together and realized they they sort of had the same vision. They called it conscious capitalism. And in 2013, they released a book by the same name, and it, it then introduced conscious capitalism to the world. The four the four tenants, and from there they started a nonprofit organization because they wanted they wanted to do more. They wanted to teach this this philosophy to the world, and people latched on and started creating local chapters in their communities. The very first one was actually created in Australia, and and then the uh, Conscious Capitalism Organization began having annual conferences across the U.S., and um, hundreds, uh, if not thousands of people descend upon this conference from all over the world. Uh, to learn more about conscious capitalism and how they can do it in their businesses and in their communities, and they've sprung up chapters all over the place, so that they can host local events and get get people engaged in the movement.
0: That's cool. So, what types of professionals typically participate? Like by title, give us just kind of a snapshot of the the typical. And what do you do as part of your chapter? Because you're involved with the uh, with a chapter locally.
2: Yeah, I, I am a co-founder of the Indianapolis chapter. The peop, the the titles. I don't. I don't think there's a standard one. I don't think it's it's one particular area. I'm I'm in the customer service industry. I w- was inspired by the movement. Um, people in HR, com people that are consultants, um, CEOs, presidents, general managers. Uh, it's it's all across the board. It's not really by function because. It relates to to leadership, so it's really it's kind of at an individual level if, if something about it inspires you, and uh, or an organizational level if, it's, if it fits you know either how your organization runs or something that maybe you aspire your business to become. Uh, one of the cool things about conscious capitalism, frankly, is that it's not necessarily a new concept. It's been it's been done before and just maybe called other things or you know, not called conscious capitalism. And so a lot of people, I think, are inspired because they're like, gosh, this is the way I've been running my business for a long time. Or uh, I've always been attracted to businesses and, and want to buy from businesses that are run this way. For me, I, I tie it to, a lot to human evolution. Organizations are made up of people, so they operate like people. And we're, we're coming into this time where younger generations are like, cr- kind of craving more. Like, is there is there more to life? Than just a job and a paycheck. I saw my parents work hard and then retire. Is that it? You know, and um, it's cool because then it, it, you know there's there's older folks. It's not just a, a millennial thing or a, or a Gen Z thing. It's it's a lot of people are, are are craving this out of their out of their workplaces because we spend a lot of time working. So wouldn't it be cool if the workplace was was even better than it is today?
0: Oh, absolutely. So can you give us some examples of? types of activities that you do in your community with the the chapter that you're leading?
2: Uh, we're still fairly young, not even two years old. The uh, initial focus has been educating people on Conscious Capitalism. It's still very young, and a lot of people aren't, aren't fully aware of it yet. So there's always an educational piece, and then the next piece usually turns into, okay, I get it now. How do I do it? And so the events that we do done quarterly events the past two years generally then focused on teaching people how to do it and then there's just a a major major relationship building aspect to it you know going beyond networking and that's really one of the coolest things about it is the 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 friendships and relationships that you develop when you meet these these leaders in the community that are like-minded that want to learn about conscious capitalism or are already running their business in that way. The the, the trust and common ground is found immediately. And it's really cool to see those relationships develop.
0: That's neat. And how does someone get involved? And um, I know you're located in Indianapolis, but for listeners across the country, like, what's the best resource to find the local chapter or way to get involved?
2: Yep. The consciouscapitalism.org is the website. If you click the link at the top on chapters, you can find access to chapters across the board, Boston, Philadelphia, New York, Chicago, San Diego, San Francisco, Atlanta, several more that I'm not mentioning.
0: So Nathan, thanks so much for helping us all see how we can take part in being a world changer through our business and in our workplace. This is so awesome. Um, we're going to take a quick break, here from our sponsor message today and we'll come back and we want to learn a little bit more about the personal side of you, Nathan Bobay, on what we call our lightning round. So we'll be right back.
1: Are you still using Pulse surveys? How about annual questionnaires? If your organization relies on either of these, it's time to discover Amplify. Amplify has created a new way to measure employee engagement. It's where CEOs who want to know what's really happening within a workforce go to get honest feedback and to understand what needs to change for people to love their work. Companies that have used Amplify have increased productivity by as much as 30% in just three months. Best of all, it's not just data that Amplify provides. Executives get hands-on coaching with engagement specialists, people who know exactly what to do with the data. To see their latest research on employee engagement, visit Amplify.com.
0: All right, Nathan. So, welcome back to Gut Plus Science. This has been a great episode so far, and we want to learn a little bit more about you with what we call our lightning round. So, a couple questions. You can just give us, you know, quick answers. Um, we want to just, you know, gain a little insight on you here. So, what's your favorite book, or one that you would recommend if you had to pick one today? I'm a big fan of
2: Simon Sinek. Leaders Eat Last.
0: Oh yeah, good book.
2: That that that's a really good one uh, for people who are either in leadership or seeking to be leaders
0: definitely goes in alignment with what you talked about today. So, I can see why you like it. <laughs> how about a favorite vacation spot? New York City. Awesome. How often do you get there?
2: I've only been there once. My wife and I went several years ago at Thanksgiving for a milestone birthday and did uh, the Macy's Thanksgiving Day parade and hit all the sights.
0: Oh, how fun. How about a favorite hobby when you're not working?
2: Uh spending time with my kids and The family enjoys
0: traveling. And then Nathan, how can our listeners connect with you after the show?
2: Uh, Best way is to find me on LinkedIn.
0: Hey, Nathan, thanks for sharing such a wonderful practice and a platform that our listeners can join in. Here's my truth you can act on today and summarized into four questions that we can reflect on as leaders. Number one, what is our higher purpose as an organization? Number two, do we have complete stakeholder integration? Stakeholders being employees, customers, shareholders, suppliers, community, and the environment. Number three, is our leadership consciously aware and strategic in building our organization? And number four, do we have a conscious culture? What a great checklist. Thanks again, Nathan and our listeners. Check out the conscious capitalism movement in your community by Googling it. Until then, next week, bye bye.